Hi, this is John Torrey, co-host of the Culture Classroom, and I just want to thank you for all of our faithful listeners and our followers on Twitter and all the different coaches and people that are reaching out to us for advice or for uh, engagement that are just trying to share their story. And uh, Coach Weaver and I really appreciate what the culture community is doing right now for their programs and to help better the lives of other people. We are in the middle of season three right now, so if you've listened, you've got the privilege to hear from great leaders such as Tim and Brian Kite to Trevor Denton uh, and other people, you know, Randy Schrader and, and Garrison Carter up here in, in the Iowa, Missouri region. And it's only getting bigger. And that's because of you, our listener. So the quality of guests are going to improve throughout season three and as we look ahead to season four. And we couldn't do that without you. So thanks again for listening and hit us up, interact with us. That's what Coach Weaver and I are here for. And keep listening to the Culture Classroom. Hey, JT, what an awesome uh, guest we're going to have today. Garrison Carter, the head football coach at ADM, who is changing the game of football from the elementary ages, from second grade, third grade, and fourth grade with his uh, pilot system that's going to be adopted by USA Football, uh, and what he's doing to change lives with his football program, from getting people invested and what it looks like and how your football team is the front porch to your school year. It's season three with Garrison Carter coming up next. Today is a special guest, uh, Garrison Carter. He is the current head football coach at ADM outside of Des Moines. Uh, coach Carter, welcome to the classroom. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Excited about this. Yeah, we've been uh, wanting to get you on for a while, so glad you're on. Yeah, man. I really appreciate the relationship we've been able to build, Coach Carter, over the last, I don't know, six months or almost a year. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing at ADM. Typically in Denison, we've had to go through ADM. Uh, luckily we don't this year because I think you guys are going to be a little bit of a force. But, you know, so you're kind of right in our region and a similar school with similar challenges. And then I really appreciate everywhere you've been, you've been a builder. And you create your own culture. You make it yours. It's unique. And uh, it's really special to see what you're doing. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I do think, you know, I think that's – I'm kind of a builder by nature. You know, I've been at one school of the four that I've been at that was – you know, a winning program when I got there and um, loved my time there, but it was probably the one that I didn't, I didn't just love going to work every day, you know, it, and a lot of things are already in place. And, and so here at ADM, it was kind of a blank slate and, and, and it's been fun so far. Yeah. So t- tell me a little bit, and, and I'm new, obviously. Right. Um, for me, you're a big deal hearing <laughs> from what people are talking about in Iowa and the coaches clinic that you run, there's a lot of things that you do well, and also doing stuff for your for your team down here. Some some of the graphic stuff I've done. Yep. Uh, you're very intentional about everything that goes on with your football program. So kudos to you uh, for you getting it as a head coach. How it's not just ball, but it's culture, and they have to coexist. And you're making that happen at ADM. Well, a lot of things. First of all, I'm not a big deal, but I do appreciate you saying that. that um, but I think you hit the nail on the head. I think. We try to be extremely intentional about everything we do, you know, and I don't think I'm in the minority in that by any means. I think any good leader and any head coach is that way. Um, but you are right in the fact that we, 
I mean, we've been very successful offensively and defensively, but it's probably the thing we talk about the least. You know, I think that there's so much that goes into building a program the right way. Um, and, you know, crap, we only play, what, nine, ten games a year, you know. So the X's and O's are a really small small part of that as right. far as the nine other months of the season or other years. Right. Well, Coach Carter, tell us a little bit about your journey. Uh, I know you said you've been at one school that was kind of a, a perennial winner, but otherwise, like, it's a lot of cellar dwellers, and uh, you've been able to take and catch some magic and turn that around. So tell us a little bit about that journey, please. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I went to Simpson College. I played there for two years, had a, a leg injury that ended my playing career after my sophomore year, which, you know, I thought was the end of the world at the time, and it, it ended up being the biggest blessing that's ever happened to me. Um, that offseason, um, the coach that recruited me there left, and we brought in a whole new coaching staff at Simpson. And uh, for a while there, it was just the new offensive coordinator and the new head coach. And, and I just was a guy that was hanging around the office and just wanted to be around and being involved. And eventually, you know, spent enough time there that they asked me to be stay on as a student coach. And uh, so I spent out my junior and senior year of college coaching kids that I was friends with, which was kind of awkward. But uh, it put me in a position to graduate there, and I got my first head coaching job right out of college when I was 21 years old at Seymour High School, the smallest eight-man football playing school in the state, and, and I thought it was the best job in the history of time. You know, I couldn't believe anybody would give me a head coaching job. Uh, you know, there was a reason it was open. They were, you know, talk about rebuilding. They were a team that had lost 27 straight, um, and so it was a big rebuild, and we went four and five in year one, and, and I'm not making this up. Literally, they wanted to give us a, a tour around town on the fire trucks. You know, we <laughs> thought maybe we'd wait until we had a winning record for that. Um Left there, got thought I was the best coach in the in the world after winning four games, and thought I'd go give this college thing a, a for real try. Uh, I got a receivers coaching job at Dort College, which is up in Northwest Iowa, and went there for spring ball. And knew about the second day I was there that the college thing just wasn't something I wanted to do. And uh, so got out of there quick, and was lucky enough to get a job at Ogden High School. Again, another rebuild, a team that I believe had won three games in the last two years, so a little better than Seymour, but. We were able to. They hadn't had a winning record for over a decade. We were able to get them to six and five in year one, and then we went ten and two. And uh, then it was time for a new rebuild project, or I thought, or a new challenge. Uh, and my one of my college roommates was coaching at Washington High School. I had actually been coaching with a guy named Randy Schrader, who you just had on, uh, and I followed him to to Washington. And that was the school I was at that, that was good. Randy had done such a great job of you know, fighting all the battles. It seems like I've had to fight everywhere else. Um, so I went into a program that was already really good and really successful and had everything rolling and were there for four years and, and were very successful during our time there. But, uh, you know, it just was, it was time to, it was time to move on and time, time to try something new. So, uh, now I'm here at ADM and, we, you know, they were 0-9 the year before I got here. We went to 5-4 and 4 year one and now I'm sitting here talking to you guys. <laughs> wow. What a, what a journey. Uh, and I, I like the fact that it's, it's building. Uh, how you're a builder and uh, you know with ADM and, and some of the things that I've been watching with you on Twitter and stuff like that with the, the things that you do with your programs uh, you set it apart like you and I'm, I'm going to say this but a lot of coaches go offense defense culture like we'll, we'll make that we'll fit that in and right. with your journey as a builder I believe it's it's at the top. Like we're, we're going to educate you on who we are. And then this is what we do and this is how we produce it. So yeah. with you being a builder and you can see it from the lineage that you've been, you've been at so many, you've been at four schools and you've turned uh, loser into winner, loser into winner. And then 
that just speaks volume for who you are as a coach and what you stand for. And I think a lot of our listeners need to understand that, that yes, you can go in and change the world with X's and O's, but it's all who has that marker last and who gets on the dry race board last. But the culture part um, is huge. And I think that's why you've been successful is you educate not only, and as a young coach, I mean, you're not even 30 yet, are you? Just turned 30. There you I go. Just turned 31. Sorry, just turned 31. Well, so. there you go. I mean, you're, you're ahead of the game, and you get yeah. it. And I think that's where our game's going to are young coaches who relate to players, who understand the gravity of a culture. It's so much weight in it. Right. But a lot of attention doesn't go to it. Well, I think that, you know, and we talk about this a lot, too, that, you know, it used to be weightlifting was the huge advantage, right? And the teams right. that, that were lifting weights, you know, 15, 20 years ago had a significant advantage over all the people that hadn't quite got that installed yet. Well, now everyone's doing that, you know? And, and so I think the new kind of wave is these teams that are being really intentional about teaching culture and teaching leadership development, I think gives you a huge edge on Friday night. And not everyone's doing that, you know? And I'm sure in 15, 20 years, this stuff we're talking about today will just be old hat everyone's doing it and they'll be on to something new but but right now i think it's a it's a way that really quickly you can get a, a significant advantage over your kids simply or over your opponents simply by just investing the time to, to teach them how to act on friday nights right um, I, I think it's amazing coach carter i want to talk a little bit about your move to adm uh just outside of des moines it's a big school doing great things there i remember we played adm a couple years ago and they were zero and nine and it wasn't they were a bad football team, but I think they lacked direction. And so when we played them, we were able to win on a last-second play. And uh, I remember going to the locker room at halftime of that game, and it was either tied or we were down a score. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and look at my journal. But I remember thinking, like, holy cow, this is the best 0-5 football team in the state of Iowa. And you could just tell that some of the bounces didn't go their way and that it wasn't a bad program. But I really liked what you had to say when you were interviewed for the job, talking about – uh, the front porch to the school. And so um, if you haven't read Saban, Monty Burke's biography of Nick Saban, you need to. It's phenomenal. I'm a Saban guy, so I say that, you know, kind of in full dis disclosure there. But he talks about how your football program is the front porch to your university. Uh, tell us about how you took that approach into the interview at ADM. Yeah, well, you know what? The, the thing that got me really excited about ADM and you know, the funny thing about me to backpedal a little bit is it looks like I'm, I can't stay still, right? The ADD kicks in and I got to go get a new job. And that's really never been the case. You know, I think the only time that was the case was when I left Ogden to go to Washington and I was like, Oh, taking over a really established winning program. This is going to be great. And I, and I kind of told you guys, I mean, it, I loved my time in Washington. Some of my best friends in the world, a bunch of guys who were in my wedding were all from Washington, but it just never felt like the most rewarding place, you know? And, um, so when I, uh, when we came here, I told my wife, this is the last place we're ever going. And what really stood out to me about ADM was that it's a, a place where I felt like we could come and not just build the football program, but it was a, an athletic department that had some things that I, I thought needed worked out and, um, some great coaches and all the other sports. And I thought really as the head football coach and kind of the person that kicks off the year and kind of football at the end, at the end of the day, it's always kind of the, you know, the king of the athletic department. I mean, as, as egotistical as that is to say, I thought that it was a place where we could come and have a huge impact on 
everything, you know, and, and not just talk about football culture, but really talking about changing the landscape of athletics at ADF. And, and I was excited to be part of that. But, you know, I, I mean, it's not a secret, right? A, a great football season, to, a great football team at the start of the year sets the tone for a f- fantastic uh, school year. And it gets the community excited about your year and your athletic programs. And, um, you know, again, and it's something that we're really intentional about trying to make a- football at ADM a, a community event. You know, Casey's and everyone wants to talk about the game the night before and you know that's the stuff that's why i came back to high school football you know i I just think that stuff's so special yeah that's great um the other thing that i want to talk to you about is your personal branding is phenomenal uh you kind of get it you understand it and then you brand your program in a specific way tell us a little bit about why you're able to do that or how you've been able to do that yeah, well, I, you know, I kind of stole Randy Jackson. If you guys have read Culture Defeat Strategy, if you haven't, personally, you can pick it up. I think as far as a, a book that tangibly gives you things that you can put into your program right away, I, I don't know if there's one better. Um, and he does the tough people win, and I, and I loved that, and I loved the way that he incorporated that. And, and you know, I, I stole it from him, to be honest, and I mean, obviously with his permission, and we kind of twisted it to, to meet our needs and made it tough teams win. And I like that, obviously, a little bit more of a team focus, but it, it gives you a purpose and it gives you something to be really intentional about, you know, so everything we do, it, we're trying to make sure we're making our kids the most mentally tough people they possibly can be. And we're trying to put them in adverse situations, you know, as high school football players and high school athletes that will help them, you know, become better men as, as they become adults and, and when life tries to get in their way. They're able to respond. So that's where we're at. Yeah, I think that's where education comes into play with it. And you're talking about how the culture before you were talking about how the culture uh, is kind of the new fad and what's going on. Uh, And I think society helps us with that. There's so much negativity in today's society that they need something they can grab a hold of. And like you said, football is that vehicle. Football is that thing that everybody glues to in the fall. Like you don't see the countdown to basketball season. You don't see the countdown to baseball season that often. It's always in the summer. You see colleges do it. You see high schools do it. Countdown to football season, um, where it's like, you know, 10 days till fall camp or 30 days. I mean, you really think about it. When college football season ends, they put a ticker up, like 332 right. days. So right. football is is king, I think, in the whole country. It, it is. And, and you know, it, it kind of puts us in an awkward situation as football coaches, because the last thing I want to do here and say is sit here and say our sport is more important than any other sport. Right. And I hope I never come across like that. But, you know, at the end of the day – we impact more kids than anybody, you know? I mean, crap, what other sport is there where literally you can take anybody? There's a spot for every single person that wants to come out and play football, you know? And, I mean, shoot, if you do it right, you can get 88 different kids on the field, right, when you start working in the special teams. So um, I just I just think that, you know, we're involved in something really special, and I think, you know, I, uh, it, it's a great vehicle to, to impact a lot of lives. So going with your branding then is your vision so i love how football is the vehicle to get a whole bunch of people rallied behind a cause or united behind a cause tell me about your vision for adm and what you're building since you are a builder what do you hope for the future what are you selling well i mean our and this is from the first day i interviewed our and my vision hasn't changed anywhere i've been right we want to build a a program that consistently competes for championships and that is known statewide for class and toughness we try and do this through building relationships, accountability, and culture, you know, and, and we're really intentional about that stuff. What What about, and and I like the fact that you say your front porch. Yep. Um, give me some examples of where the front porch wasn't as pretty or, I, <laughs> you know, that you, that you wanted to change immediately, but yet it took some time 
And I think that's going to help our listeners that they they want to change what their team is about. They want to change their their look, their identity, or whatever uh, about how the process goes. Because a lot of people think it's a quick fix. Well, culture is going to take time, just like how you install an offense or install a defense. Culture is the same way, especially with your front porch and how you want things to look. So how does that process look inside of ADM or any other school that you've been at? It starts with the kids, man. And I know that you know that's not necessarily a visual thing, but the, the most intentional thing we did right when I got hired, we're at a 3A school, which is the second biggest class in the state. And there was 57 kids, nine through 12 out for football, which, you know, in the age we live in, that's not bad. But I was leaving a school that was actually a little smaller that had 90 kids out, you know, and now we're up to 90 here. And we were really intentional about trying to go find any kid in the hallway, have a conversation with them, ask them why they weren't playing, try and get them out for our team. You know, when I was still transitioning from my old school, I was mailing handwritten notes to every kid in the school that wasn't out for football, trying to get them out and, um, you know, so that was the big thing because now all of a sudden when you get kids out, you get more parents out, you get grandparents at the games, you get more people talking about your program, you get more people excited about it. Um, so I think that was really good. And, and you know, um, so that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts of it as far as how do we change our look and how do we change our brand and how do we get kids excited? Well, it's the same thing that, that everyone does, right? We bought them new jerseys, we got them new helmets, we got a new brand and a new logo and, and really have started trying to, to sell that and put that out everywhere, everywhere we can in the community. But again, it all comes back and it starts with getting kids out. Right. You have to fascinate them. You have to fascinate them. You got it. And I think it goes back to your core values. I mean, you have very intentional core values that your seniors have kind of helped you define. So tell us a little bit about your core values that are behind all the fancy uniforms and the decals and the branding. Right. So, and I do think this is something we're talking about because I think it's something that I don't want to say unique to us, but I think it's, it's something that is, is really important to what we're about. So um, without getting too in-depth de- in into it, we teach a leadership class in the spring to all our football kids that are going to be seniors. In, in the first meeting of this, they draft their underclassmen, right? We draft them on a team, so we have this big scoring point system uh, that they can score points all offseason, you know, again, trying to teach kids to lead and, and get each other, you know, hold each other accountable. But the, ne- the second meeting, we set our core values, Right, and I give our kids a word bank. I think it's up to like 60 words with definitions that they can choose from, and we have really intentional conversations about each of these things. And then we vote, and we, you know, and I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I kind of steer the conversation right to head head towards the ones I want to make sure we hit. But at the end of the day, the kids are picking these, and, and this year's ones I'm excited to share them with you guys because this year's at class I thought was really cool. They went into it with a different idea than I've ever done this before. They wanted to do the acronym Tigers. So they knew that's where we were starting at. And then they started going through this word bank and, and you know, getting on the, the, the thesaurus and looking up for, you know, different words that could, we could maybe get these letters in. And we ended up with toughness, investment, grit, energy, relentlessness, and selflessness, and, and which are, are great core values. A couple of them are recycled from the year before. A couple of them are new. But what I think sets us apart and makes us a little different with, with what we're doing with core values is we don't just put – words out there and say here's the things we stand for okay great you know tuesday is going to be energy day yippee we we make the kids define them and then come up with specific ways that what does this look like you know in every single one of our our goals that we're trying to hit with these have to we have to be able to define them we have to be able to observe them we have to be able to measure them and we have to be able to evaluate them uh you know john you're familiar we play in the dome right at the end of the year so we try and we, we call it doming our expectations right you know so define observe measure evaluate so for some examples and i won't read all these with you if people want these i can share them but like for instance for toughness 
we try, we're trying to hit something that, that's on game night. We're trying to hit something that's in the weight room. We're trying to hit something that's in everyday life, some things that are in the classroom, you know, and what does this look like in our program? So for toughness, it's we'll finish every rep in the weight room. We will not make an excuse. We will compete to win our position group in the gasser, which is our sprint we run at the start of practice. Uh, I will often be heard saying things like, so what, next play. I will not let a bad test grade slow me down. I will respond to being coached with a, either a question or the word, okay, coach. Um, so, you know, so that's what toughness looks like. And, uh, again, we do that for all of them. And I think it's really cool. These big signs, we have these big signs that hang outside our locker room with these tangible things that our kids know and they understand, okay, today is toughness day. These are the things that our coaches are going to be specifically looking for. So I got to make sure I'm doing these today. And then it just kind of becomes second nature for our kids. Mm. So I do think that's good stuff. No, I think it's phenomenal. And then I think the other part that's really important that's that's kind of new and exciting for ADM and the Des Moines area is what you're doing with your vision and your feeder programs. Tell us a little bit about the work you've got going with USA Football. Yeah, for sure. And so I want to preface this. I, I'm super excited to talk about it. I, I really think that, that it, again, we're, we're talking about getting kids out, right? Well, really, that starts at the youth level, and that starts with, you know, they, you think about first impressions in life, right? Everyone you would probably hang out with or the, the restaurants you eat at are, are a, a big reflection on the first impression you had of those things. So we're trying to make sure our kids' first impression with the game of football is a positive one and one that wants to, is conducive for them to come back. Right. You think uh, about it, you only get, Garrison, you really only get one chance to make a good first impression. You so, do. So, right. So if you put a kid in, the, in a situation where he's uncomfortable – or has a bad coach or, you know, just doesn't enjoy his experience, we're not going to get him in high school because of something that ruined him in third grade. Right. Um, so I want to preface this conversation about our youth program. I don't want any of this to come across as this is all my individual ideas or anything that I did. I w- I've been really fortunate to collaborate with three other phenomenal coaches that, that are far more intelligent than me and, and far better coaches than me, and I'm just kind of lucky to be lashed on with these guys. But Scott Heitland at Dallas Center Grimes, um, Paul Patterson at Norwalk and Brian Woodley at Johnston are the three other communities that are also in this league with us. And we kind of attacked it with, okay, youth football is flawed, right? There, there's a lot of flaws with our, our game. Uh, you know, one thing that always stood out to me that I thought was really wrong was the fact that Tom Brady and our third grade quarterback at ADM were playing the exact same game on the same size field with the same equipment. So when you start thinking about it like that, it's like, okay, how are we going to change this? and How can we solve this? We wanted to come up with some sort of developmental model um, that mirrored like baseball, right? Baseball goes from T-ball to coach pitch to shortened bases to everyone bats or all their modifications to build up to when they're playing the regular nine-on-nine game. So here's the model we came up with. Um, In kindergarten, so kindergarten through second grade, we just play NAD8L, just our kids playing eight-on-eight flag football, no pads, no helmet, nothing. Then in third grade, they start, they're still going to play eight-on-eight flag football. So one thing that I should say is we're adding one piece of the game a year, one or two pieces of the game. We're not throwing the whole game at them. So from in third grade, we go on and we play eight-on-eight flag football still. Now the components we're adding is we put on a helmet, and they go travel to the other schools. So they, up through second grade, they played eight-on-eight flag football with their buddies and just kind of learned the game and learned to have fun. In third grade, we start making it a little more competitive. They put on a helmet just to get used to running around with that, and they go and they play other schools. Then in fourth grade, we're still going to play eight-on-eight flag football, but now we're going to put on all the pads. So now they're getting used. They get a whole year of the same playbook they were just running, the, the same game on the same shortened, smaller field, eight-on-eight. 
but they're going to be allowed to block. And in practice, we're going to start trying to teach them some safe tackling techniques as fourth graders before they ever have to do it a year before they do it in the game. Mm. And in fifth grade, we're still playing eight on eight. We're still running the same playbook they just ran the year before. We're still on full pads, but now we're going to let them have to add that tackle component in. So again, all we're focused on in fifth grade is just adding tackling. We're still running eight on eight on a smaller field. Um, and then finally, as they head into sixth grade, we're going to throw the 11 on 11 tackle at them, and they're going to expand it to a full field. So it, it's a seven year process at, in Adel or in this league to build up to um, to build up to play an 11 on 11 uh, football. Which you know we're going into year two of it. Year one I thought was awesome. We did we didn't have anybody that played last year that isn't coming back to play this year. Um, in fact, we've grown pretty substantially. Um, you know, we had some concerns, you know, because obviously we had to take some kids that had been playing 11-on-11 11 11 tackle football as third graders and say, oh, by the way, now you're going to play 8-on-8 eight eight padded flag football as fourth graders. And we thought we might get a little kickback from that. Um, we did a little bit, but it was all from the parents, you know. And so to, to anybody out there that, that is, you know, concerned about trying to make these changes or – um, thinks that they're going to get kicked back from the kids. Here's here's my two cents of advice on that: is kids just want to play with their friends. They don't give a crap what your game is or or what the rules are. They just want to do what their friends are doing. Um, and, and we found that right away. And even the parents kind of figured that out. We didn't have any issues. Um, but yeah, we're getting ready to start year two, and and now we got some exciting news with that: that USA Football is going to going to adopt our model as a, kind of a pilot program and send their master trainers down here to teach our coaches all their stuff and. I think it's a really cool deal. Yeah, that that's really interesting to me when I first saw it come out on Twitter and you and I had, had a conversation about the model that you had. And people were asking me, with being a football coach, and you're, you're about to be a dad. Right. Uh, so what about your son when he plays ball? What are you going to do? And my initial thought was I'm not going to let him play organized football till seventh grade. Right. I was going to let him – do flag football at the area places, understand movement and how his body functions rather than, let's face it, those fourth, fifth grade leagues or third, fourth, whatever you want to call it leagues, we're going to toss sweep to the outside. And, hey, if your kid's faster than the other kids, you're going to score. And you're not well, really teaching them the game. Right. That's the flaw. And, and that, you know, so that was one of the things that always rubbed me the wrong way. And I, and I could get – I mean, if anyone wants our league rules, I, I'm happy to share them. I'm not going to get into too much. But that was kind of the idea behind the shortened fields, right? We play a, a narrower width field. We actually play from the sideline to the second hash, if you can imagine yeah. that. So basically take a third of the field away. And we just play 40 yards and in. So it kind of takes away the sweeps. It takes away some of those full-speed collisions, obviously, on a smaller field. But the other rules that we have that – that are small things, I guess, but I think make a big difference and kind of take away that point that you just made is we make every kid in every game play. First of all, every kid has to play 15 snaps no matter what. Every kid gets in 15 snaps, and every kid has to play two positions on both sides of the ball. Mm. So you can't just play your your fastest kid at running back and your second-best kid at quarterback the entire game and just run. You know, they have to move around and play different positions, which right. which I think is good. I mean, you're – you know, again, we're, we're really, really cautious about the people we ask to coach in that league, and we make them do background checks. And, and you know, this year USA football is coming in and certifying all our coaches. And so I, I really believe that uh, the coaches we have get it, but I know that there's some horror stories from youth football and youth sports in general of, of parents that just want to win. And, you know, so those are things, I guess, in your own community you have to figure out. I, I, I think we do a good job of really pointing out that that's not going to happen here. Yeah, I think it's important in, in helping our game. Uh, there's right. a team that we're going to play in our first game that he's had, he had like 54 players. He's down to 25. Right. 
and he's losing players. And, and you hear it all across the country about teams losing players um, because of a concussion protocol or they want to specialize in sports. I think if we get them engaged at a young, young age, get them engaged, understanding like the game, just right. understanding what the game is about, uh, you'll see our sport grow again rather than well, these negative yeah. thoughts of just concussions and injuries and specialization. Well, I, I think so too. And, you know, obviously, you know, with anything now you're seeing all these studies come out that, that, you know, the concussion stuff was a little overblown and which I think we all knew it. it and I, I know that's like blasphemy to say that, but, um, you know, I, I think that, that that stuff's going to die out. I, I really think what comes back to and why kids don't play is, is football is hard. Right. And so if you don't, put them in a situation and a program where they feel valued and, and feel like it's something they want to do and they can't live without, then it's really easy for them to give it up, you know? And I, I guess, again, it all goes back to your first impression and mm-hmm. what we can do for them at the youth level. So Absolutely. I, I, again, I think this thing's great. Obviously we, you know, we'll be five or six years before these kids are in high school and we know if we really get anything out of it, but you know, I, I'm excited about it. The, the fact that it's off the ground is encouraging to me. Right. So, and the fact, and the fact that other people are interested in our game growing, Right. You know, they've taken a look and are like, hey, this is a pretty good model. I mean, that tells you you're on the right path, whether or not five or ten years from now you'll stay with it or maybe you'll make changes along the way. But it's something that as football coaches we have to be aware of. We have to find ways to attract people at a younger age to the game and make it safe and make them comfortable because that 12-, 13-year-old burnout rate is a real thing. and. We've all heard those horror stories about youth sports. Of, and I feel like all the changes that happen in our game come from the people that have taken it too far. Well, right. And, and you know, you talk about we got to attract the kids. We also got to make sure their parents think it's a good idea, too. And, you know, actually, you know, I tell this story and it's kind of funny now, but, you know, if we're a year and a half removed from when I got hired here. And, and the first meeting I had in Adel wasn't with the high school kids or with the high school parents. It was a youth football community meeting here's where we're going with you know so i always thought that 10 years from now i can hang my hat on that and say well i you can no one can ever tell me i don't place a value on our youth development programs because literally before i ever even met with my players that i was going to coach the next season i met with the entire community and and field put out fires and fielded questions about why we were getting rid of the the current leagues we had and why we were heading to this and and you know it's again something i believe really strongly in yeah there's a quote and i'm going to butcher this but it's like <laughs> be the best where you're at so if right. you're a youth coach, be the best youth coach. If you're a middle school coach, be the best middle school coach. If you're right. going to coach uh, for this league that y'all are having a pilot with, with second, third, fourth grade beat, make that your best situation ever. Uh, I think we see so many coaches are like, I want to be the varsity offensive coordinator, and I want to wear the polo and the headset on Friday night when they forget about these kids started somewhere, and we have to pour into them just like you would pour into your own son. Well, right, you know, and, and I guess I'm kind of glad you brought that up. That that might be something, maybe if this is unique to us, I guess, I, again, it just seems like the right thing to do. But we try and treat – so our football program at ADM is K through 12, and, and we really mean that. Like all our fundraising money goes in the same account, and all our coaches are coaches, right? And so I don't care if you're the – you happen to coach 10th through 12th grade running backs or if you coach third grade defense, I don't care. You're still an ADM football coach, you know, and so we try and treat – treat it like that they're all on the same email chain that goes out or on the same group text and, and you know again we run a our high school staff is going to put on a clinic for all our youth coaches and take them kind of through our everyday drills and um 
install the offense and defense for him. And, and so I, maybe that maybe that is something. Maybe that's why we have good retention of coaches. Is you know, I, I guess again, got to make them feel valued, right? Be the best at the job you're at. So right, fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Those youth coaches give up a lot of time. Uh, and I know they're probably doing it for their kid or for the best intention of the community, or maybe they want to get involved and that's their way in, but it's a lot of time and organization and there's not a lot of compensation for that. So I think that's really important what you're doing for your coaches. Yeah. And I'll go ahead. I'll go back to your culture. So at the very first part of our conversation, we were talking about your, your team's culture. Right. Well, you're not just high school football culture. No, you just said it. You're, you're ADM football. So that's what does that look like? K through 12. Right. Everybody's involved with Friday night football. It, whether you're a second grade running back coach on the squad that plays on Tuesday nights to the right. head football coach at ADM, which is you coaching right. on a Friday night under the lights. Correct. Yeah. That speaks power, man. That's, that's how you're building a, the total package, I guess you could say. Well, again, it's it's not my football program; it's the community's football program, and again, that's why high school football is so awesome. So. Yeah. That's an important message for people to hear. Uh, well, Coach, we really appreciate your time in the classroom today. And there's one last question we always ask our guests, and I know maybe you uh, did a little more reflective thinking on this uh, in in the time that I kind of prepared you for maybe what we were going to talk about. But that's your caring trademark. And again, one of the things I've appreciated getting to know you over the last few months, last year, is you care not only about your community and about what's happening in your school, but about your program and about other programs. And, um, you know, Coach Weaver and I ask our guests all the time, what's your caring trademark? I think you have a lot to offer on this. So I'm just going to sit back and let you spew out a few things. So I think you got a lot of caring things happening. Well, Right. So you told me that to prepare for this question and, and I'll be the first to tell you. So one thing I struggle with, although my wife probably wouldn't agree with this, but one thing I really do struggle with is being able to kind of reflect on myself and talk about myself. And, and so I actually had to reach out to a couple of coaches I trust and, and ask them that question. And, and both of them shot back the same thing that, that of all the people they know, I am less willing to compromise my beliefs probably more than anyone, you know? So, um, I think that's, good and I think that's a strong leadership characteristic but I'll be the first to tell you it also is probably the thing that gets me in the most trouble because you know I don't do a good job with people telling me to slow down or that's wrong or um but you know it's it's why it's why I run my own coaching clinic now right it's why we run our own team camp here it's why we run our own seven on sevens because I guess I just um again this is going to come off as egotistical and I don't mean it like that at all but I just you know I just think there's a lot of flaws with the way that that some of the things in our game are done you know so for instance I I my thought with coaching clinics was, you know, they're all at the end of February or the, the start of March and shoot at that time, I'm still trying, trying to process what happened last year. You know, I'm not in any state of mind to, to start thinking about, um, you know, really getting serious about thinking about next season. And so I always thought, okay, why is there not a, a football clinic closer to the end of the school year? So that was our starting point, you know, and then, then you go to these clinics and you, you get, everybody's here's our uh, team's highlight tape and let me talk about my resume for a while and then now there's 20 minutes left and maybe they'll answer a couple questions and I just felt like clinic session and I don't mean to, to bash on clinics there's some great phenomenal clinics out there but I just felt like why am I paying money for this you know I, I never felt like I would, sometimes I was leaving clinics without even getting one tangible thing that I could really use and um, so I, I just said, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm going to start running my own clinic and I'm going to, to form relationships and, and bring in guys that I know will just come in and 
be passionate about sharing their stuff and giving their X's and O's out or giving their leadership programs or whatever they, they would. And other and also guys that after the clinic was over would answer phone calls from people that were there and, and would share their stuff, you know? So anyway, so we started that clinic and, and then that was a success. So then the next thing that was bothering me was paying $150 a kid each year to go to team camp when I thought I could just pay a college staff a thousand dollars to come run one at our place. Um, Saved us a ton of money. I could control the teams we brought in. We bring in seven other teams. It's getting ready to happen uh, next weekend, actually, here. And, and uh, you know, again, bring in the schools that, with coaches I know we can work with and, and treat it like a big practice and, and get a lot of good work in. So we started doing that. Seven-on-seven um, seven stuff's always bothered me because, you know, we go play a team that, that's an I-formation team, and now all of a sudden at seven-on-seven, seven, they're running nothing but empty formation and cover two man under. And I just we get so frustrated with that because, you know, why are we? Doing? I'm not trying to win seven on seven in the summer. I just want to run our stuff and prepare our kids. So again, started just, okay, done with done, done going to seven on seven tournaments. We'll just uh, find schools to come in and, and do it at our place and run our stuff against their stuff. And um, so that's been good. But you know, I, I guess again, I don't, I don't know that I have any sort of trademark. I just, I guess, if if I'm known for anything, it's probably just uh, trying to find a solution and, and being really strong minded and determined to get it done whenever we we, we get the opportunity. So. That works for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, look, man, it's uh, I, our, our. I'll say this: our our friendship. I guess. I mean, I've never make, met either one of you in person, right. um, but our friendship has grown. Where I feel like I know you guys, and right. it's it's more of. I tell Tori all the time. I was like, if we were ever on a staff together, watch out. You know, sure. watch out. Well, that's what's so great about the world we live in now. I mean. Shoot, 20 years ago, we're not having this conversation, right? It, I, I, I probably know the three coaches down the street from me and maybe maybe a couple guys that have got coaching jobs that I played against in high school, and that's it. And now, you know, through Twitter and through running this clinic and through everything, of you know, our, just our, our network of resources continues to grow. And it's it's such a powerful thing for the game and, and obviously for us as individuals, but uh, it just it, it's a really good thing. Yeah. Garrison, I like what you put on Twitter yesterday, and it got a lot of traction. Um, and I want to finish up with this. Okay, which one was that? It was the one. Um, it's it's from Badasses. It's the oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, it was about can can it be more than just football? Right. Yeah. It goes back to the front porch question, right? It is a yeah, is a great football team just a great football team? You know, and I love that. First of all, got to give a shout out to Tori. He sent me that or gave me that book when he spoke at our clinic, and then he, he must have known I was a slow reader. Then he sent me the audio book just to make sure I could get it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I just go off of what I do too, you know. Like, I mean, I'm a big audiobook guy, and then I buy the book so it makes it look like I'm a reader. But I do both. Well, yeah, and uh, but right first sentence of the book was basically that's the lead-in, right? And it's talking about the '70s Raiders and and how powerful they were. And uh, but the qu- question that it got my attention, it got me thinking as a high school coach, was you know, can a great football team be more than a great football team? And I think yes. You know, I, I think you can talk about in, in in our communities or in our profession at the high school level. A great football team is isn't just nine games, right? Like we talked about, it sets the tone for the school year. It sets the tone for community involvement. Twenty years from now, you're still sitting at the bar in the community talking about that. You know, and it, it, it's just a special. It's a special, powerful thing to to be part of this game. And when you're around teams like that, it, it's it makes it a hundred times better. I go back. I go back to the movie Radio, yep. and the coach always goes to the coffee shop. You know, and he talks about the game, and there's people from the community that are in that barbershop at that, listening to him, 
and they're talking about the game, and he gives a recap, and his wife's there, his daughter's there, you know, all them. So I, that's what it goes back to. Or, or Varsity Blues is another one. So uh, good ones. You know, that's and half my kids, you know, hadn't even seen it. T- kids that I teach, um, they're like, "What's Varsity Blues?" I was like, "Oh, I'm showing my age here, obviously." But uh, I really think uh, great teams set the tone, like you said, for the whole school year. And oh, that, that propels it. Um, everybody gets excited for Friday Night Lights in right. high school. Well, it's one of the things we talked about in the NFL was you've got guys that are college guys and they're loyal to the university that they played for. And so there's some rivalries that spur up in the locker room like that. And now we live in an age – I mean, I grew up with three TV channels and I was a remote control. My dad would hit me on the back of the head. That was my yeah. cue to go adjust the rabbit ears and the tinfoil and whatever. But – now we, we have football on TV almost every night of the week during the season, mm-hmm. except for Friday, because Friday is still only about high school football, and that's what makes our profession special. Yeah. It is. It is. You know, and it, again, when you're in a community where that's the biggest show show in the world on Friday night, then you're in the right place. And, and you know, again, I, I've been really fortunate everywhere I've been that, that that's been the case, and I've been, you know, again, we were talk about why I'm here talking to you because I've been really lucky. You know, I just happened to land at spots at, at the right time when they had good kids coming through and good parents that were involved. And, you know, it's the same thing here at ADM. So. Garrison, as we finish up, uh, can you give some advice maybe to some listeners uh, that are young coaches, veteran coaches on maybe how to, how to get started with being intentional and how to get your coaches on board with your culture and selling it to your kids. Like I said, you, like you said, out um, about your seniors grabbing a hold of your core values and making right. that fit in that model. What's some right. advice to some coaches to kind of let them? Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweak it, and yes, I'm gonna steer them in the right direction. But ultimately, you said it goes back to kids. So, what's some advice um, for coaches? I'll give you two things. Okay, first one, and this is one that I had to learn probably the hard way, but. You don't know as much as you think you know. In fact, you probably don't know hardly anything. So ask, ask, ask as many people because we, we are in a great profession. And, and it is very rare that, that I'll ever reach out to somebody and ask for something or ask advice and not get an answer back or not get the help I need. Um, so ask. Ask people and form relationships and form a network of people that will help you. And then the other one is, and again, this is back from that badass's book, but that the Al Davis golden rule, right? Treat people the way they want to be treated. You know, Not the way you want to be treated, but treat people the way they want to be treated and I think when you do that, that you're going to be successful in this business and your kids will run through a wall for you, but it's hard, right? It's hard to treat 90 different kids, 90 different ways, but you got to do it, you know? So full disclosure, when I read the book badasses and you and I were texting about this a little bit, I grew up hating Al Davis. I mean, John, John Elway was my hero. So the Broncos, that was, that was my thing in the old orange uniforms and, you know, can't win a Super Bowl and whatever else. But I hated Al Davis, and you kind of look at him as he's kind of this uh, bookie-looking guy. Las Vegas is a perfect place for the Raiders to land because of that persona. But going back to the 70s, he was a visionary. He knew what he wanted, and he let people be themselves. And I think that book really brings that out. So that's a great point that you brought up. I agree. I thought I thought Al Davis was the worst person on the planet. I was always just you know, told to basically believe that. And, and so, and that's what, again, that's what's so good about reading. You know, I, you want more, another piece of advice, pick up some books and read, and it doesn't have to be about football. You know, I, some of my favorite books I read are about Caribbean piracy and, and things like that. But I just think the more you can read and the more you can learn and the more you can start understanding how to treat people and how to build things from the ground up, the, the better off you are. So Sweet. Well, Garrison, man, thank you for your time today. We 
appreciate you joining us in the classroom. Uh, it's been an honor having you in, man. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. I know, I know I'm know, probably the low spot of season three, but that's okay. I appreciate the time, and I appreciate you guys. <laughs> no, that would be Weaver and I. We're the low spot. Oh, yeah. We are the low spots in season three. You guys got it. I can handle that. Yeah, one spot. Yeah. <laughs> you're, we're the 10, you're the 11. Like, you're, you're going one above us, no doubt. You're one above us. No, but in all seriousness, guys, I appreciate the product you're putting out, and, and I'm excited to, to obviously hear some of these ones you got coming out this season. So keep up the good work. Thanks, no, Jackson. thanks. I'm excited to come speak to your team here in a couple of weeks or whenever that works. And uh, I just appreciate our relationship, Garrison. So yeah, thank man. you. Hey, thanks for all you guys do. All right, brother. Best of luck this fall. See you. Hey, See you guys. GameStrat is the number one choice for football coaches looking for the most reliable and advanced sideline replay system on the market. More coaches are switching to GameStrat because it simply works when it's supposed to work. And unlike other systems, GameStrat is simpler to set up and use, delivers the fastest video transfer times in the industry, gives you the most tagging capabilities, and has the best game day support. Choose GameStrat for your game day needs.